Welcome to Ed Talks, an audio podcast presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Ed Talks is a lively series of community conversations about public education and related issues that impact our young people. Each Ed Talks features two compelling short presentations by cutting edge educators, youth advocates, students, artists, or community leaders. Ed Talks is supported by generous grants from the Bush Foundation and Comcast. This Ed Talk focuses on changing outcomes for black males. Our featured speaker is Michael Walker. Michael is a highly experienced leader in youth development and assisting black youth to achieve success. As the inaugural director of the Office for Black Male Student Achievement, now the Office for Black Student Achievement, he works to expand support and change outcomes for black students in Minneapolis public schools. Michael is a former assistant principal and dean of students at Roosevelt High School, has served as a career and college center coordinator for Achieve Minneapolis, and directed the Black Achievers Program at the YMCA of Minneapolis and Greater St. Paul, where he managed programs focused on social, academic, athletic, and employment skills for youth. A graduate of Minneapolis Public Schools, he holds a master's degree in counseling from the University of Wisconsin, River Falls. This virtual Ed Talk was originally live-streamed online on October 5th, 2020. So first, I would like for you to take a look at this image here. And it says, what do you see? And the thing is, what do we see when we view our black males within our school system, but within our broader society? What are the biases that show up when we connect with them, when we see them walking down the street, when we see them sitting in the classroom? What are those biases, right? What are we seeing? What is the stereotypes that come to the forefront of our minds? And we have to know that those stereotypes are there because we see the outcomes that are happening within our school system. We know the desperate numbers that are going on in our academic system, in our educational world. And so we want to be mindful that um, I'm being mindful tonight to not share those numbers because we know what those numbers are. And I don't want to send out messages of deficit thinking around our black males. But I want us to know that we have to change those outcomes if we really want to change outcomes for black males. So I want you to think about that when you see this uh, image. What do you see? What do you think about? So I'm going to talk about a statement that Malcolm X said, one of my most favorite people of all time. Um, he says, I for one believe that if you give people a thorough understanding of what confronts them and the basic causes that produces it, they will create their own program. And when, they, and when the people create a program, you will get action. And I would add that you will get results. Right. And so as we started out on this journey, as I started on this journey around how to change outcomes for black males, it was real important that I got the voice of the young black men to be part of this process. Right. Too often we have um, communities, organizations, school systems creating initiatives, creating outcomes without having the voice of the people at the table. And I want to make sure that we have the voice of these young men at the table while we're deciding on what their future should be. They should have a say and a stake in that. And so that's one of the first things that we can do is uplifting that voice, valuing that voice, validating that voice, allowing that voice to be within our spaces, right? And ensuring that once we hear that voice and that perspective, now let's do something with that information and not just have it, right? Not just have them speaking it and then we don't do anything with it. We have to make sure that we're utilizing that information so that they can see that we are actually changing what we're doing in our practices for the betterment of them. And so what I did with that information is I basically went on this 100 days of listening, right? I went on 100 days of listening to hear the voices of our black males. And um, I went out and listened to parents and families, 
community members, educators. But again, I'm gonna keep saying, more importantly, I listen to black males. But when I was listening to these different four stakeholder groups, what did I hear? I heard a lot of broken beliefs, right? There's a system of broken beliefs that we are experiencing as black men in this country, right? And we're gonna go specific to the school system. What we found out, or what I found out during this research is that the broken beliefs that parents had was that they didn't feel that the educational system was fair and equitable when it came to dealings with their black male students. And I have to look at the data and say, they have a right to say that, right? The community, they didn't believe that the educational systems were serving all students. When we look at our data, again, we start seeing all these numbers that are not um, looking well for other groups, not just our black students, but other minoritized and marginalized groups are also impacted in, by this educational system. And then when I talked to educators, um, they had some beliefs around they didn't have the tools necessary to support uh, black males in the classroom. And so that was something that we wanted to uh, listen to and I saw that broken belief that they didn't believe they had the tools necessary to support. And then when I spoke and listened to the young black men, um, they didn't believe that the school system was there for them, that they didn't have true authentic relationships with educators, that they didn't get to learn and understand about who they were as people. The curriculum just wasn't designed with them in mind. And so that was a system, a broken belief system that we noticed and recognized within our school system. So from those broken beliefs, I decided to create this framework and it's called the belief framework. And what this is really um, signifying is that how do we as adults, what are our beliefs? Because our beliefs will dictate how we treat and what we expect out of our black males. And so, um, this belief frameworks have four components. It uh, centers parents and families, it centers community members, it centers educa educators, as well as black males. And what we wanna do is change those broken beliefs to positive beliefs, right? So we want our parents and families to believe that the educational system is fair and equitable when it comes to dealings with their black male students. We want the community to believe that our system of education is serving all students. We wanna make sure that educators feel that they have the tools necessary to support black males in their educational um, journey. And then we want our black males to see academic success in their future. And so we want to make sure that they know that the curriculum is designed with them in mind. We want to ensure that they see people that look like them within the school system, right? Because we have to be sure that we as adults are changing our beliefs and our mindsets because that will dictate what our outcomes are. And that is very important for us to understand as we talk about this belief framework. And as we talk about the belief framework, right, it's something that comes to my mind all the time is that why have we been trying to solve a non-academic issue with academic solutions? And I say that because, or I ask that question because when I went out and did my 100 days of listening, the young black men told me abundance of things that they were successful in, that they were great in, that they were doing well in. It just so happened that we wasn't seeing that same outcome within the school system, right? And so it made me understand that it's not about the black males, it's about the system as a whole, right? Our work, our job is not to fix black males. And I know sometimes when you hear about an office specifically designed for a specific population, we may get to the thoughts, well, that office is supposed to do that, or that department is supposed to work in that manner. No, this is not about fixing black males. We have to fix the systems that black males have to engage within, and that is about adults. So how do we start to change our thoughts, our beliefs, so that when they engage within a system, it is welcoming, it is inviting, right? So from the belief framework, we created three bucket areas that we would like to focus on. One is professional development for educators. The second one is authentically engaging with our families and communities. And the third is direct service with our kings. 
We want to ensure that we put together a plan that is all encompassing, that is holistic, so that we can hit every different area that our black males are engaging within our school system, right? So providing professional development for educators is really important so we can start to change mindsets and beliefs. Creating and connecting with our communities in an authentic and engaging way is really important because we have to realize that our families may have experienced an educational trauma that we don't necessarily talk about. Right? The data that we are seeing now, that we have seen for years, is not new. So we have to realize that some of our black families have experienced this educational system in the same way. And so we have to rebuild, regain that trust. And the way we do that is getting outside of our spaces, getting outside of our buildings, and listening to that voice. Bringing that voice to the table and allowing it to lead us as we educate their students. Right? And then the last one I said is direct service with our kings. And this is where we uh, created a class, and the class is called BLACK. It stands for Building Lives, Acquiring Cultural Knowledge. And this class is really based in who am I, right? Who are we? What is our current state? Where am I going and how do I get there? So these are the five questions that we would like for our young kings to be able to answer once they complete our program. When we think about the classroom, right, I was very intentional about hiring black men because we know there's a dearth of black male educators within our system. And so as I said from our 100 days of listening, we heard from our students that they didn't see people that looked like them in our spaces. And so I was intentional about hiring black men to come into the classroom to teach this class. And not only for the benefit of black males, but the benefit of other students as well. We have to realize that we may be creating biases in our students' minds by the positions that we have our staff in. So if we have black men as teachers, now our white students, our Latinx students, our indigenous students, our Asian students, they see black men as educators. And so when they have opportunities to hire black men as educators, it may change the outcomes of how many educators we have. The other thing that we can do, which is very simple, is we have the ability to recruit students from pre-K to 12th grade. How many of us have went to a black male and said, hey, you would be a really good teacher. How many of us have done that? If we can do those small things, we can maybe change the outcomes of who is teaching in our classrooms. Because we know the research that talks about if one student has a black male teacher, the likelihood of them dropping out decreases. And so how can we be more mindful of doing that? Um, within this classroom, that we uh, have designed this black class with these uh, teachers that are black that look like our students that is designing this curriculum um, what i went out and did was researched and looked for black men from the community that had a strong ability to build relationships what i know about the educational world is that we have teachers that are really good at their content very good we go to classes we have schools all those things teach us how to deliver our content but what is missing sometimes in those programs is how to build relationships, right? And so now we have educators who are standing in front of our students that are lacking that relationship, that haven't put the time in to build that relationship. And so what I focus on in our department and our work is saying, hey, our first four things are gonna be relationship building and then we'll get to that curriculum. And so we and I have coined this term called relational instruction. Right? How do we have this relational instruction that we can deliver with our students? Because we know that um, absent a relationship, it's hard to teach anybody anything. But present a relationship, I can teach you whatever I need to teach you, and you're willing to listen. Right? And we think about this when we talk about like coaching and athletes. Right? You will know players and athletes that will run through brick walls for their coaches. 
but that's because they have built that relationship. They took that time to build that relationship. That's what we should be doing in a classroom. Sometimes we're jumping right to the academics and forgetting about the customers, the young people that are sitting in front of us that want to be connected, that want to feel loved, that want to feel like they are valued, right? And so we have a, a, a workshop that I uh, deliver called Becoming an Aunt and Uncle in a Classroom. And it's really about how do I see these young black men as my nephews? Because if I see them as my nephews, the likelihood of me sending them out of classroom decreases. The likelihood of me not challenging them on academics decreases. And so we want to make sure that we see them as family because now we are creating that family in our classroom and in our space and now we're talking about how we are a collectivist environment, right? Academics and education should be around a collectivist mind frame. How do we support each other? How are we learning and growing from each other? And that is very important and that is what relational instruction is all about. Building that relationship first and then delivering the content second. And we will see some of these outcomes change for black males. I want you to do this uh, thing with me really quick. If you could close your eyes uh, for a second and just listen to a couple stories. Um, so we have Robert, who's a third grade student, um, and he is very excited about school, eager. Um, he's reading at a fourth grade reading level. He is um, part of the band team at the school. He's enjoying his academic career, fourth grader. I'm sorry, third grader, Robert. Then we have a seventh grader by the name of Marcus, right? Seventh grade student. Um, he's already taken a um, advanced uh, biology course, science course in, in middle school. He is advanced in math. Um, he's part of the um, student council and just enjoying school. Another black male in seventh grade doing outstanding work. And then we have Sean, senior in high school who's already taken 12 credits of PSEO, who is the president of his um, student council team or his senior class, who's also a um, athlete and is a planning on attending an HBCU college university, right? I want you to open your eyes now. That is the outcomes that we wanna see for our black males. That is what we deem success. And as I end with this statement, um, this is why we exist to awaken a greatness within black males to have them determined to believe and achieve success as defined by their own values and dreams. Thank you. Ed Talks is presented by Achieve Minneapolis and the Citizens League. Thanks to our generous sponsors, the Bush Foundation and Comcast.